and welcome back to The Latecomers. I'm Amity. I'm Lemuel. And we're sorry. We're very sorry. We made a mistake. It's not good to check the Rotten Tomatoes after you've watched the movie. Mea culpa, mea culpa, mea maxima culpa. So Babylon AD this week with a whopping 6% on Rotten Tomatoes, 26 on Metacritic, which, you know, is a better metric but not really that much of a better score. So this movie's not good. It fails. We I we think. watched a not good movie. Yeah. And it's it's less offensive than the last uh, Temptation of Christ in that there was a lot less writing on this movie. Right. Like I feel like but it was yeah. Dull. It was I'm a not dull mad at this movie. movie. I was mad at the last Temptation right. of Christ. I'm not mad at this movie. I'm perplexed as though it were directed and then edited by two different people who both speak different languages neither of which is english that might be the case that's really what it feels like so when we picked babylon ad i had the picture in my head this is weird i had mashed up the name Titan A.E., which is the only reason that I would have thought Babylon A.D. and this other movie had anything to do. And the cover art for the cartoon Treasure Planet. Uh-huh. So that's what I thought we were. I thought we were going to watch a cartoon. What it's I, not a cartoon. I thought is that you put to me a cast that included Vin Diesel, who I'm not great on, but... I say we don't call him Vin Diesel anymore. We'll call him Mark. Mark. His name, his birth name, is Mark Sinclair. Michelle Yao, Mark Strong, Mark Strong's hair, and Drum Levanner, Charlotte Rampling, Gerard Depardieu. That's a cast. That is a cast. I don't know who that's... Who did you say? Jerome Levanner? Yeah, Jerome Levanner. I don't know who that is. He's a very famous kickboxing champion. The cast in this movie is ridiculous. Um, I would I would hazard to guess that uh, Mark Strong, Gerard Depardieu, and Charlotte Rampling all did one day apiece on this. It could have very well been. Michelle Yao was trapped for the duration. And she's very good in it. She's Oh, yeah, she's great. Well, right. I don't know that she can be bad. I don't know that it's physically possible for no. her. So this movie makes no sense. It makes... Okay, so it's based on a book. <laughs> I like the, the expression on your face, which the audience is missing, is, is priceless. It's based on a novel called uh-huh. Babylon Babies, which is a terrible title for anything. Now, is the title, in, is the, the novel French or is it? It is a French novel. Which maybe so Babylon Babies sounds better in, in I'm French. hoping that it's a poor translation. Okay. Um, or, yeah, it just sounds better this in French. This film is a poor translation of whatever this person's work was. I, I feel sorry for them. Yeah. And then... And then it doesn't make any sense. The story beats don't make sense. The motivations don't make sense. The characterizations don't make sense. Nothing makes any sense. And it's not even like that fun. Like the scenes that we were watching, I was like, oh, this was put in to be a fun action scene. It's not. Specifically that snow cat scene. Well, there's there's scenes in the film where you don't... How can I put it? it I, the impression I got watching this movie is that the director did not know how to handle an action scene. 
Right. So he has all these action actors in the film mm-hmm. doing things, and you, the, the scenes, are, except for the snowcat scene, which is very well lit, are mostly in the dark. You can't see what's going on. And it's quick cuts, which right. is never People good. People are framed in very strange ways. Michelle Yao is going through scenes fighting people, and they seem to focus on her face, so you see her limbs flailing off screen or off frame. This is or one it's of like the, a super wide shot, and you right. can barely see anything that's this happening. This is one of the great action actors of all time, you know, and you yes, don't... Yes, there's an article right now that you could find that's called Michelle Yao's been a badass for 30 years. Right, I mean... I'd hazard to guess longer than that, but... The story that always struck me was Super Cop, one of the great action movies ever. Jackie Chan is being dragged, hanging off a helicopter, a rope ladder from a helicopter, through, I think it's Thailand, hitting every, you know, like every building you could find, just bouncing off of them. That's a terrible idea. Uh-huh. Michelle Yao said, he's not going to upstage me. I'm going to jump on a, on a motorcycle, jump onto a moving train. So the, the director said yes, and then she turned to the stunt coordinator and said, now show me how to ride a motorcycle. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. This is an amazing person. And y'all, she's still a badass right. in Crazy Witch Asians. It's she's, bonkers. But okay. to have her in a film and then just not... Show what she's doing. Um, and, and Vin Diesel does not look much better either. No, and we know that he, at mm-hmm. least on film, can fight. Right. I and don't know can... what his actual right. abilities are, but he's an action and person. There's, there's That's what in the he film does. That we'll describe later where there are all these parkour characters who are jumping around and... Uh, it's so you, poorly staged, you can't even see what's going on. You don't get on. any it of it. Yeah, it's just it's it's dark and it's mm. not fun. So let yeah, let's just get into it. Let's right. try and make our way through it. So apparently, it's 2027, which I did not know until I looked in Wikipedia. I think that you had to tell me it yeah. was 2027. We start actually in New York City right before an explosion, and then we go back in time. We don't know how long. It right. turns out it's like a week. Well, but it's being narrated by a man claiming he's dead, which is Vin Diesel's character. Right, he's like, I died. So We're all dead. Or Sunset Boulevard for French science fiction died. films. Although, no, it isn't. It isn't, Because it he's out, not dead. No. Spoiler his alert. His name is Turop. It's the dumbest name. It, Apparently his character's first name is Hugo. You never know that. Hugo Turop. Hugo Turop, which is fine. Hugo Cornelius Turop from the books. Oh, my God. Yeah, there we go. That's and I just want to call him Mark. That his real name mouth. is Mark Sinclair. Let's just call him Mark. Hi, Mark. Mark. Because Turop is a dumb name, and they say it 500 times. It's almost as if they're getting you to try to buy into a franchise. Oh, Turop. So... And there's no way of making that name sound cool. It sounds like turnip. Mm-mm. Which, given the shape of his head... What, round? He's round. got a very round head. He's, he looks inflatable to me. He does. I don't know He's how to respond like to that. puffed up and inflatable, and he looks like a, an Oscar he on steroids. He doesn't seem that puffy to me, because I've seen him stand next to Rock. Anyways, Ooh. he's hired by Gerard Depardieu, Gorski, whose entire... I don't want to use the phrase raison d'etre because that's not the right phrase. But it would be appropriate for a French film. His entire, like every time we see him, he's inside of this car Uh and eating. And we see him several times, always inside of this weird car. He's in the back of the car. And he's constantly eating. I'm pretty sure he was there on a Thursday and gone on a Friday. They were just like, here, eat this food, wear this tank top, say these words. Here, eat this food, wear this tank top, say these words. 
Oh, and now we're going to make you explode. Spoiler alert. I'm aware he explodes. Roger Pardue has a mushy nose. I'm not sure that it, this is his mushy nose. His nose looked to be one and a half sizes too big. Right. It was, and it was uh, freaking me out because like, the nose it was in 3D on our screen. I don't want to say anything because what if it is his nose? Okay, but this is the same con- conversation we had about Harvey yes. Keitel. But that was clearly a clearly prosthetic. A prosthetic nose. This wasn't clearly, like, if it was makeup, uh-huh. it was very well done. But I'm not sure why you Because they give a close-up on it. It I mean, was nine-tenths of the screen at one point. <laughs> but it's also odd that you would give an actor with a famously broken and mushed nose a larger broken mush nose. Yeah, they need to stop. Okay, so Gorski hires Mark to go... Pick up a girl. He doesn't say from where. We find out later. Although, I think we found out by looking it up on you on Wikipedia. It's a there's not Mongolia. Yes, it? it's yes. in Mongolia, but we didn't. There's no it title. Like there's no. It's just snowy. Right. So he has to pick up this this girl from this monastery. Nope, convent, and get her into or get her to New York. Now, he's in Russia because he has an expatriate because he's not allowed in the U.S. I don't go for back there reasons. No Need a passport. Yeah, he needs a U.N. passport, which apparently is now um, some sort of subdermal thing that you shoot into your neck. That's what passports are uh, because Gorski gets them You know, one. you need them to go shopping at supermarkets. Yep. You need to show your subdermal passport. That's right. Tilt your head. So he shoots himself in the neck with a thing later on because that's not an image that has been overused <laughs> or anything. Escape from New York. And then he says, I'll do it for... A million or four million or something. $500,000. I think it was a half a million, actually. Okay. It wasn't a whole million. And Gorski's like, the car that I sent for you will have everything you need in it. So then... I guess he agrees, because I guess Gorski basically says, do it or I'm going to fucking kill you. So, he he does it. Given that choice, yeah. At, oh, I should say. Now, Gorski scoops him at his apartment, which is like in a tenement building, and he scoops him using a bunch of assassins that he had previously worked who with, apparently. Who really bad at their job. Who are extraordinarily bad at their job. Like, they all swarm in... And the head one ends up with his own gun in his face. And then, like, six dudes are circling Vin Diesel's character while he has a gun to their, ostensibly, their leader's head. And then he goes ahead and shoots that leader, and they don't do shit about it. And you pointed out, well, they're there to get him, not to kill him. And I'm like, that's fine. They could shoot him in the leg. They could shoot him in the leg. Well, yeah, but they didn't. Why is it always a... Lethal. It doesn't have to be a lethal shot. You could just shoot someone in the leg to make them less of a threat. Whatever. So, yeah, Gorski basically goes, you're doing this. The end. Uh, We'll send a car. The car that they send is this big black car with, like, um, cages over the windows, like bars and... But it's not just vertical, but also horizontal. What's it called? Like, mesh? Mm -hmm. Over the windows with a bunch of shit in the trunk. And it is, rather than, you know, being driven, it's lifted by a giant magnet by a helicopter and taken to a place. That place, 
it turns out is Mongolia, but we're not told. He's dropped in a field and then he goes to this monastery that's like in the mountains. Right. And out comes Michelle Yao. She goes, I have three rules. Don't talk about Fight Club. Nah, that was the rules. Okay. I think the rules were don't touch her, don't look at her, and don't swear. It was something basically like that. It was like everywhere she goes, I go. And the third rule was don't swear. I can't remember what the second rule was. People swear in front of this girl all the time. All the time. She swears. Uh, And then out comes Aurora. And she's beautiful. And she's tiny. She is small. A very small human being. She looks very French to me, played by a French actress. So this makes sense. Um, And it turns out that Michelle Yao is her, basically her, like, foster mom. She was she was a sister, so a nun, I guess, at this convent, and she took Aurora under her wing when Aurora was dropped off as a child. And they're not nuns as we know them now. No, sort of strict and strangely sexy. This no, is these are nuns who are part of. I can't of a, wait to watch the nun movie. With you <laughs> and reevaluate your nun. Uh, this is these are nuns from what are they called neolites? Noahites. Noahites, and they're part of a a futurist kind of religion that they're a religion that's gaining clout, mm-hmm. and we find out that it's gaining clout in false ways, right? Mostly through Aurora, but um, by engineering things. So then they drive. And they drive and they drive and they, they drive, drive and then mm-hmm. they go find Mark Strong, who's a smuggler. Yes, he has hair, which is weird because I'm he used to seeing like Mark Strong. Hair. He and he, I think, did maybe two days on this movie, but he's only in two scenes. Well, there's this, and then no, no, three scenes because there's the submarine scene and the action scene after that with the snowcats, I think. Or the is the, he even in the? He's on he's the not, submarine okay, with so, them, but I don't think he's in that scene. Well, <laughs> that scene is the one that disappointed me the most. Well, let's let's wait until we get there. So no, 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 no. I mean, talking about the scene right now where we meet Mark Strong. Oh, okay. So they're in a club. This weird club where there's it's, in Russia. Right. So he's gone. Fr- he's been flown to Mongolia, scooped the ladies, and then driven to Russia. And then he's found finding Mark Strong because Mark Strong is mm-hmm. a smuggler who can get them uh, across the Bering Strait, basically, because right. it's not just a pole vault away as. Uh, Sarah Palin might have you believe. I can see Russia from my house. I can see Russia from this house, actually. So, okay, so what's your issue with this scene? The scene is they walk into this sort of big open area. It's like an industrial club. Right, industrial club where there's all sorts of um, walkways and catwalks Mm -hmm. and things. And at this point you see World-famous kickboxer, Jerome LeBanner. Oh, okay. Like, having Oh, is that in who's in yeah. the cage? Okay. Yeah, there's um, like a cage fighter in the middle. Yeah, and he was an amazing guy with an amazing record, and he's all six foot three. He was a giant, really. He was a, a super heavyweight. Um, but, uh, yeah, he has 79-inch reach. He's a huge guy. 79-inch um, reach. Reach? Yeah. God damn. So... He had, like, gorilla arms. <laughs> right. That's crazy. Because even on 6'3", that's... Yeah. But he was very famous, uh, well, in kickboxing circles and K1, stuff like that. So it was like, oh, he's going to be in an action scene and Michelle Yao's going to... That's why at first I thought, this is going to be fun. Oh, yeah. No, nope. it's not. Because almost immediately... And I don't know why anybody puts any confidence in Torup. Who 
Rop. To Rop. Because he keeps losing this girl all the time. And she decides to run away with a group of young men who are trying to take her to see her father. Oh, that's right. Yeah, these, these... A dude that looked like a discount John Don Cheadle. <laughs> right. Like he... Not to Roger anything, Corbin's Don Cheadle. There's nothing against this guy. He mm-hmm. looked like he would have been Don Cheadle had he right. been born Don Cheadle. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> That's a good one. It's it's the Don Cheadle they could afford. Like, um, It's not the Don Cheadle we wanted, but it's the Don Cheadle we deserve <laughs> right. for this film. So he comes and he's like, we work for your father. And she's like, okay. No one is doing a particularly good job of watching They're like, what are you doing? And she's like, I'm going to go see my father. And they're like, your father's dead. Turns out that's not true. Not so much. Not so much. But then what happens after that is an action scene where at one point... Who's thrown in the cage? Was it her or it was, was it Diesel him? Was it was. Okay. Michelle Yao is running up and down these catwalks kicking people. And again, you can't see what she's doing because it's too dark. And she's too and fast. And for some reason, yes, she's too fast. And they're just focusing on her face. Like, we're going to watch her emote while she does this. And the, stare would be so pissed. Right. Look at my feet. <laughs> and then Vin Diesel is suddenly in the cage with Jerome LeBanner, and it's just weirdly staged. And the girl is in the cage. It's the whole thing. Just what am it's I watching? It's so weird. It was, and I and, don't know if I'm reaching the age. If I'm reaching the age where action scenes have become confusing, I used to be able to follow them. I was Guardians of the Galaxy it was a movie where it depends entirely on yeah. the action scene. It does. It's right. not you. Although there are some things where I'm like, I'm sure some people understand what's happening, right. but I can't watch a Transformers movie because it's like watching abstract art. Transformers I'm just like, is really I don't know what any of this is. What drew the line for me with action movies where like I have no idea what's going on. There's just things moving. Yeah, and I don't and know, I don't know what's what, and and with the color, right. your with your color blindness especially. Right, it was just one object after another yeah. object flying around, and I think this when I watched Guardians of the Galaxy, I was kind of disappointed that I couldn't follow it because it was just so much stuff going on. In Guardians so, of the Galaxy, yeah. I thought they were actually they, the no, they were pretty ones. good. I think that was my age. I think oh, Ready okay. Player One also was another one where what am I looking at? There's well, so much a going lot of, on. And soft edges from right. the CGI. So we should mention that Aurora's been having um, clairvoyant episodes. Well, we don't know that they're clairvoyant, but they're certainly episodes. I chose a French word. She freaks out. She doesn't want to keep going forward because she's afraid they're going to die and then an explosion happens. So she's having psychic things, but we don't know why or what they mean. Um they get through this fight and then they end up out on the ice and they're waiting for excuse me they're waiting for a submarine that's going to take them across to Canada with a bunch of other refugees there's probably 50 to 100 people yeah. and when the submarine comes up mark strong is with them and he says they're only going to be here for 2 minutes cuz they're afraid of being seen so you've got to hurry. And it was like a fucking free-for-all with kids and shit. This elbows to me was the and... only compelling scene in the movie. Yeah, but also unnecessary. It was unnecessary in that... This well, felt like... This this scene to me felt like Children of Men. A couple of the other right. scenes felt like Children of Men. To the very first scene, I was Which like... Which is a much better film. Children of Men. And, and so they get on board, and, she's, and Aurora is seeing people being shot, uh-huh. people being pushed off into the ice. 
um, or, you know, falling between the ice and the submarine, so into freezing cold ocean water, which nobody wants to be in there. No. And she freaks out and goes down and then just starts, uh, she makes them go back up and does it herself. Like she right. and that pushes was, all the right buttons. Another moment where these are supposed to be hardened mercenaries. And they just let and this girl do whatever. What looks like a teenage girl, it turns out the actress was 20 at the time. But what and looks her like, character is supposed to be 20. Right. A teenage girl, or very small, but jumps small, ahead, shoves everyone aside, yes. grabs the controls, and starts operating. And they don't do anything to her. And, they just and I'm like, going, this girl would have right. had cuffs on immediately if yeah. I was trying to transport her. Like, she can't be trusted. And then, again, her bodyguards do almost just nothing to stop her. Just kind of just look like, at her like, oh, look at look at this precociousness. What, what, what are you isn't doing? Isn't she special? And then they have a, there's a conversation, mm-hmm. and, she's, and Vin Diesel is like, how did she know what the fuck buttons to push? Which I'm like, oh, it's the smartest thing you've said. And there's, <laughs> there is a scene here afterwards where they finally calm her down, and Michelle Yao is having a scene with Vin Diesel, and she's describing her past and how she came to be a member of the convent. Mm. And they do something dramatically that's really weird because... She has her dramatic flashback. She has her dramatic flashback. And then she, talk, you know, after she's done, then we go to Mark Strong, who has his flashback scene. Not flashback in that we're seeing it, but he's narrating another scene from his past. It's like people are just sitting there recollecting things. I don't and, remember that. Yeah, well, it was really boring because it's like you're putting them back to back. These oh, kind okay, of I don't remember that. All I remember from that scene is she said she got into the... Right, how she got into the convent. That was a more dramatic Convent at 17 right. after, fleeing, after fleeing from San Francisco, a, an abusive relationship that she was in. Um, and there's some indication that she may have had a miscarriage or an abortion or some sort of failed pregnancy situation. Right. Um, where she couldn't she did not have the child or or her, she lost the child somehow. It's not stated explicitly, but it feels like that's what she's saying. And then she ends up going to the convent to flee from that and stayed with the convent and then when Aurora came she sort of, you know, attached herself to her. Now why then does she, if she, I mean no, I was just going to be racist, and I'm going to opt not to be. It, it's weird that she lived the first 17 years of her life in San Francisco, but sounds like Michelle Yao, but that's fine. Like, right. she may have just stayed in Chinatown. There is a chi- a, a well-established a Chinatown. It just seems weird that she wouldn't have an American accent if she was born there, but whatever. No, I feel racist. Um, we also know that... Uh, Time-wise, so this is in 2027. This movie was released in 2008, made in 2007, say. So it's 20 years in the future. Um, There's a point where uh, we know that there's cloning happening because they see a tiger in a cage. And Aurora says, that's not a real tiger, is it? Because tigers went extinct in 2017, which is some prescient shit. They fucking almost did go extinct in 2017. Um, and he says, no, it's a clone of a clone, second generation copy. Uh, so we know cloning is a thing in this world, which sort of comes up later, but then not quite in a weird roundabout way. Sci-fi. I thought that whole tiger scene was just to explain something that happens later in the film. Like we're just dropping this Maybe. clue here so that. Yeah, right, exactly. Different. And so, oh, and so 
along with um, Rebecca, Michelle Yao's background, we also hear that Aurora always knows stuff that she hasn't learned. Like, oh, she was speaking when she was two, mm-hmm. and Vin Diesel's like, well, a lot of kids speak when they're two, and Michelle Yao goes, 19 languages, and I'm like, well, that's a very specific number, first of all. Well, that was a, one of the better lines in the film. And because also, it... how the fuck do you know <laughs> she was speaking 19, do you speak 19 languages? Because unless you speak 19 languages, you don't know that she's speaking fluently in 19 languages. We also didn't say fluently, maybe she only knew how to say yes and no. I don't know. It was, but I was just like, uh, <laughs> like uh, somebody else has to also be aware that there are 19 languages being spoken. Like you can't. Right. Well, Otherwise the, it's the a implication baby was that she was being studied by the sisters. So perhaps that was what was supposed to happen. Right. And perhaps in the book, there's some extended um, explanation. Or, Maybe. But this is just uh, a lot of this. It's just a lot of random exposition. Mm-hmm. Well, that's like, why I said, in the downtime, it's like, hey, here's a weird fact about the world. Remember it for later. <laughs> but that's why I felt like those back-to-back scenes of her and Mark Strong were just all this exposition loaded into one scene. I literally have no recollection of what was Mark Strong talking about. I have no idea, only that he was talking to her more about, um, oh, good Lord. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it was just that, um, it was that memorable. So then they get to... Canada, and then it's a pretty easy hop over to except America for the drones. Oh, right, they didn't get to Canada yet, so they're in the demilitarized zone. So there's a mile stretch from where they get dropped off to where they're going to be safe, and they're on snow like little snow cats. Mm. And it's Mark Strong and one of the women. And then Vin Diesel and the other one. It's unclear who's well, with who. This is, again, this is the same problem I have with the rest of the film. The action scenes are so poorly shot, you don't know who's doing what. Yeah, because we Everyone's see them from parka. above. Right. Yeah, they're all in white parkas on mm. white snow on white snow cats. And it's just like... It's unclear who is where. Except when you hear, jump onto my thing, jump onto his thing. So they're... They, there's a fight where drones are coming after them. They're they're seen. They've got to go a mile to get out of this area, and drones are after them. So, Vin Diesel pushes them off onto pushes his passenger off onto the other one to lead the drones away from him uh, from them. And then there's a little action scene that's not very well. It would if there was something at stake. The fact that these drones are flying, and they're sort of automated machines. There's no one involved, I guess. They're shooting at Vin Diesel and can't seem to hit him with all of their armament. That was what struck me. It's like they're only guarding, a, what is it, it's supposed to be a mile, right? Yeah. A mile of territory. Well, width of a mile. The entire length okay, of the Canadian coast, probably. But they just have to go across it. But that scene goes on. You can't tell who's being chased by whom. Uh-uh. Everything seems to be overlaid sound effects up until the very uh-huh. end. And so it's like this could be anybody. This could be anybody going anywhere in a snowmobile. And then they get through, and then Mark Strong turns on them, and Vin Diesel kills him. For no particular reason either. It was just... 
no money. I, I, I don't, I think that that was, you know, you but were offered X amount, I was offered this for amount. For no particular reason. That's true. Just random things happen, and you're going like, well, why? Is, there's a scene coming up that will. Yeah, and so the next thing that we see basically is Charlotte Rampling, and you're like, what are you doing here? I'm sorry, aren't you a dame or something? <laughs> like, why are you in this movie? And she is the head of the Noahites, the high priestess, which I thought they called princess at the beginning. That was probably Charlotte Ramping just insisting that she wanted to be a wanted princess. princess. I don't like, know. Fine, if you're a period of Because I thought princess, that they called her princess, but then she's definitely the high priestess later. Uh-huh. You're seeing, like, the first time you see her, it's like apropos of nothing. You don't know who she is. You're not told who she is. She's just getting... Work like on? Botox, basically? Yeah. That's what it looks like. They're like needles in her face. Um, and then the next time you see her, she's like at a board meeting and she's like, uh, you know, we've worked for 20 years for what's about to happen. Uh, we need to go get Aurora. And you're like, okay. Uh, and then they do, then they do the crossing, which is a very uneventful... He should, well, okay. In the hotel, before they go through customs, basically, Vin Diesel has just taken a shower and is wearing a towel. He shoots himself in the neck with a pss. That's what they always make that sound, right? It's never just a shot. It's always like <laughs> it's got some sort of gas in there that makes a sound. And then Aurora comes in and touches his chest. And then... Michelle Yao comes in and looks at them and says, we have to leave in 30 minutes. And I'm no. like, we're not going to... Okay, first of all, ew, ew, ew. And also, we're not going to talk about this. All right, so this is, again, a random scene I felt that has no... Doesn't do anything for the movie. Mm-mm. None of the characters act like they're supposed to. No. Nope. I imagine Michelle Yao's character would should be outraged. Yeah. Uh, you should. This. We should say that at the beginning, Vin Diesel... Voiceover basically is like, I do what I do for money. I'm not here for people. Fuck human beings. He only takes this job because of the money, the chance to get a passport to go back to the United States because he wants to go back to the United States, and the money. That's it. He's not doing this for anything. Then in the when he meets Mark Strong, he's offered a million dollars to walk away, and he doesn't take it. Bullshit. This motherfucker takes that money. He's got the passport. He doesn't know this girl from Eve. It's part of the inconsistencies of the movie. Right. Because so his character's all over the place. Something you right away. At the beginning of the film, he goes on, again, his voiceover narration. He doesn't believe in anything. He doesn't, do, he doesn't believe in causes. Yeah. The whole world's fucked. The first thing okay. you see him do in his apartment is cook his meal and say grace. And you're going... That's, that was right. Yes, he makes like, a meal, which <laughs> apparently his character in the book is like culinarily trained. So they actually put that little detail in the movie because he's got like some sort of meat. It's probably squirrel or something, but he's got some sort of meat that he's carried back to his place and he's cutting up onions and he's pouring, like he's sauteing everything together, pours some wine in the thing. He's got a wine wine glass and he makes this meal and he's sitting down to dinner and then yeah, he bows his head and I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> well, we were just told about how, you know, how he doesn't give a ruthless f- yeah. and savage he is, really. There, there he is just behaving like a civilized human being. Yeah. So and almost then the immediately people break in. Between yeah. the meal and it's like he's not acting at all like the His character that, has no consistency, consistency in behavior. 
Yeah. And and this this young woman, apparently she's twenty. The character is twenty. Mm-hmm. The actress is twenty. That's fine. She looks about fourteen. Please she don't touch is his chest. <laughs> literally half his age. Well, yes. Also that. And as much as I, but at twenty you're a grown woman and you can do whatever you want. But she looks so I'm young. I'm not a hater, but this is very much that very strange. And also, she's uh, presumably been in a convent for her entire life. This is like the first guy she's ever seen. Please don't touch. And Rebecca doesn't say doesn't say anything. anything. She looks discomfited by this, but, but not then, even really like she just looks a little bit like she's walked into an uncomfortable I can't, like, moment. And she's I can't embarrassed leave for three minutes, you guys. Right. Really, and it's it's very odd. Yeah, it's again nobody's acting the way that they should in yeah. this scene. That's um, and then they go through off. the airport or the you know customs, and they're fine. And they get to New York, and they go to like a safe house. Um, and then the doctor, that's right. The doctor sent, so three months ago, a doctor, another ma'am actually. So I guess she had seen men before, um, had gone to see Aurora, gave her a pill or pills. I don't think she was still taking it. I think it was a pill, gave her a pill. And that's when she started acting weird. Weirder than normal. Than she normally did. And um, then that same doctor comes to see her again. And goes into another room with her. Closes the door. Won't let anybody in with them. And I'm like, hey, Rebecca, you remember your rules about wherever she yes, goes, again, you go? She just fails at this. <laughs> Nobody's good at their job in this What movie. are you doing? So then he comes out and says she's pregnant with twi- twice. I think is how she he puts it, um, and they're like, and then she he comes she comes out and she's like, uh, you know, and Rebecca's like, but you've never been with a man, and she goes, and I still never have. So immaculate conception by pill, because I have a feeling that that pill might have had something to do with it, um, and then Vin Diesel looks outside and sees two groups. Mm-hmm. of vehicles, a bunch of motorcycles and a bunch of like Escalades and it's Gorski's men and the Noahite group. And this is where all the logic fucking falls apart. Well, a lot of logic falls apart. Now is when it falls apart for you. So there's a, and there's an oh, like there's this is hard. So because if I say something now it spoils something for three minutes from now. But so what we find out is that Gorski was originally tasked to take Aurora and put her in the monastery away from the or for for the Noahite group. So Gorski was hired by the Noahites to take this young lady 20 years ago or whenever it was and kill her father. The what is being told to us is that Gorski was hired by the Noahites to hide her from the Noahites. So it is completely, like, it just doesn't, it's broken there. There's something broken in the storytelling. Um, And now both of these groups are here 
we're led to believe that Gorski is working for the Noahites, but they're against each other also. Like, I don't know if Gorski didn't get paid, and so he's trying to... You're, you're reading too it much into something that does not make sense. It just doesn't make it was sense. Another well, setup. I'm trying to make, make it make right, sense. Right, I know that, but <laughs> it's a setup for another dumb action scene mm-hmm. in which people are running around getting shot. Michelle Yao is fighting off screen most of the time. And yeah, then, so uh, Turov decides, fuck this noise, we're getting out of here. And then f- decides to go through both of these heavily armed groups to do it, which... So they're all shooting each other. That's a terrible idea. They're fighting off the, you know... And then for some reason, even uh, the girl starts exhibiting some sort of fighting skill. She's fighting too. Which, I mean, if she can pilot a... Yeah, if she can see it's that a, an explosion is going to happen, right? and she can pilot a submarine, why can't she fight? It just seems... And I'm going to assume that Michelle Yao taught her a fucking few Well, things. yeah, but then why didn't she do it before the other half dozen times she gets kidnapped? Oh, because she's useless. She wasn't getting kidnapped. She no, was going willingly. Her... That's why. Because she's so flighty. She's like, go, what? Go where? Okay. I've got nothing else to do. In like, the Ellen course of this action it. scene, Michelle Yao's character gets shot in the chest. Yeah, it was And sad. she dies, which is basically where my interest in the movie just sort of tanked You're up. Like, and I'm done. Like, so I then, don't care about these other people. Then Vin Diesel realizes that he, with that thing that he shoved into his neck, there's a tracking device on it. Like, it took him this long. Well, I think he knew it the whole time, but he realizes, oh, they can aim missiles right the fuck at me, so I gotta get away from you. And she's like, no, I need you to die. And then she kills him? She kills him. Uh, Aurora kills him. Which is rude. And that's where the movie starts. It's very important. And I was like, is it almost over? I was hoping it was over. If that's just a closed circle, we could be done. Nope. No. Diesel wakes up, with a prosthetic leg and a prosthetic hand, and he meets Aurora's dad. And I, my first thing was, they're going to have him walking on that leg like he doesn't need to fucking get used to it at all. And I am not an amputee, but that pisses me off for amputees. And in doing that, you were very much like Aurora in that you exhibited psychic power knowing that they were going to pull that bullshit. And um, they totally they did. did. It's like, and, then, and then later, years later, the Rock does a movie with a prosthetic leg to show Vin Diesel how it's done <laughs> because he doesn't like him. Nope. Um, so we meet Aurora's dad, sort of. What's I don't know if him? we can use that phrase. He keeps saying he's her father, and then you realize he's not really her father because... she. Okay, so his name is Dr. Darquan D.A. because of course it is. Why wouldn't it be? I wanted it to be Dr. Doctor. Dr. Doctor. Well, let's call him Dr. Doctor. Dr. Doctor. Dr. Doctor is a AI specialist and a biologist. <laughs> so he was tasked by the Neolites. Okay, hold on. You are None of this makes any approach. sense. He basically says he had a baby with an AI computer as the mom, which that's not a thing. Is that how AI works? No. Nope. I'm not really big on the technology. It's unclear whether she... Oh, so Aurora is either a human-based thing with a supercomputer in her head or a supercomputer... With a human body. It's very unclear. But 
basically what gets hashed out is she's designed to have immaculate conception at the age of 20 and then thus giving the neolites a miracle that will make everybody follow them and then they will be the most powerful um okay i mean i guess if you're (laughs) if you're gonna do immaculate conception why the fuck do you wait until she's 20 well yeah mary uh, was 12 uh, and that's more believable 12 or 13 right young very young but here's that's when it's fucking plausible She's 20 years old, and now she's seen a lot of dudes, including that doctor that was alone with her, giving her a, quote, pill. Okay. (laughs) But I'm sure nothing untoward happened. No doctor's ever done anything untoward, not like her dad or anything. This whole film, and again, I'm I'm surprised that you're struggling with this because it just doesn't make any sense. It's because I'm, it's, I, it... You have a logical brain. You believe that this is a Rubik's Cube that has yeah. been torn apart and pieces are missing. I believe it's just a Rubik's Cube. So <laughs> I'm just trying to fix it, but it's torn apart and the pieces are missing and I'm never going to get it to where it's supposed to be. The whole white side is missing. Gone. It's just a void. A maw. So the thought here is that your brain keeps... Your brain records everything that happens until after you die. Now, Vin Diesel died for two hours, so that's why he had to get robot parts because his other parts died in that time, or something. Well, the explosion. Also, he was blown up, right. um, which only affected his extremities. Right. Yeah. No, his trunk, his core is fine. And it doesn't explain why she wasn't affected. And his by face it. is fine right. for the most part, Ooh, such as it is. Um. Well, she's magic, so she, okay. nothing affects her. Um, but so he hooks him up to the the machine, the Philip K. Dick machine that says, "Let's see what happened after you died," and she tells him to go home. She just called the as Dick he's machine. exploding. Go home, and then we know he she needs the farm that you told her about that you couldn't wait to get back to in upstate new york so we got to go to the farm no, we in upstate suddenly get new york that one tiny detail that becomes important right we had talked about it we we'd heard it earlier it was a breadcrumb uh yeah. we had lots of breadcrumbs so they go it's like mac and cheese to get her at the house and she is there uh-huh. they're accosted by neolite is it neolite? Neolites, yeah. It's not neolites. Noahite. Noahite. Neolites, I like better. I know, that's why I'm like, mm. Meanwhile, the high priestess calls Gorski and blows him up. He's still sitting in that car. He gets a phone call from her, and she's like, you crossed me. And then, kaboom. Then she also ends up finishing what Gorski couldn't do by killing Dr. Doctor. But Turop and Aurora have escaped. And then... <laughs> So we know that they escaped, they got away, and she's Mm. fine. Like, the high priestess is still the high priestess of this religion. So, I mean, yay, Charlotte Charlotte Rampling wins, I guess. But she doesn't have her miracle. The the final two scenes take place later, presumably. They're at a hospital, and she's very pregnant, and she says, 
you have to take care of my babies. And he says, you're going to be fine. And she says, you have to take care of my babies. That's that whole scene. And then after that, three or four years, Vin Diesel goes to pick them up from the garden that they're in. And and he's taking, well, they're, they're young young children. Right, now. but I mean, just to but specify, her baby, right. yes. So he is caring for her babies because apparently she expired. Yes, which happens because they didn't see. There was a barcode in the back of her head, underneath her wig, that said when she. No, actually, that doesn't happen. Yes, but that would have made more sense. It's like you're here to procreate and die, and die like so, you're a mute. Yes, a mute. A newt, ladies and gentlemen. And then that's the end. And that's the end of the movie. And it just it's, it ends on such a minor key about absolutely nothing and. The action scenes don't amount to anything. And I, I, I just couldn't... It doesn't make sense. I could not Nothing. devote the same it's amount so of thought bad. that you did. There was one or two scenes that I found affecting, the submarine scene, um, because it looked like real people were suffering. Yeah. But for the most part, I, I just... It I, just couldn't, it, I lost it, all interest. The, it feels like 40% of a movie. Yeah. <laughs> At the same time, I don't want to watch any more of it. So I don't I don't know what the full movie would end up being if this was only forty percent of it. Well, I felt like um big chunks yeah, big chunks of it were missing. Yeah. And I don't know um And and any real character consistency. Because immediately after we hear the I'm a tough guy voiceover at the beginning, immediately he has done a one eighty on that. Mm-hmm. And then he do- keeps Doing 180s. And you never find out. That's the other thing. There's this constant thing about, you're not a mercenary, you're a terrorist. I'm a mercenary, you're a terrorist. So that's clearly a thing. And he's not allowed back in the U.S. because he, they have deemed him a terrorist. Which means that at some point, he's a somebody did... No, I don't think it was him, though. Somebody did something and framed him for something that he didn't do. Um, but we never know what or why or when... So, ugh. I don't. It's not a good movie, everyone. It should have been better. It had a better cast. It had that it deserved. It had a great it cast. Just, like I said, though, I'm I'm pretty sure Charlotte Rampley got all of her shit done in a morning. I'm pretty sure Mark Strong was there for maybe two days. Jar Depardieu was on Thursday and out. He had golf on Friday. Like it was. There's no way that these people were. Involved in long-term shooting of this movie, uh, yeah, it's it just it didn't work. It didn't work as a thriller. It didn't work as an action film, and really, that's all I want. I want a movie. If and I remember Roger Ebert, one of the reasons why I really loved his reviews, and I had whatever problems I had with some of his early stuff, but his basic idea was. Does this movie live up to what it's supposed to do? If you're going to see an action movie, is it full of action? If you're going to see a drama, is it dramatic? Just There was a time when people reviewed movies and genres, action movies, really weren't counted for much because it was only serious dramatic productions that got attention and reviewers dismissed other kinds of movies. He was a big fan of, does it do what it set out to do? In this case, I don't know what it set out to do. Here's how it was... Production of the, quote, futuristic thriller about genetic manipulation. 
That sounds interesting. That's not what I watched. But we didn't know about I the mean, genetic manipulation until it was, the it last turns third of the out, film. But exactly, it didn't. So what we thought we were getting was some sort of apocalyptic religious spectacle, or it some felt sort like of, it wanted to be a cross right. between Children of Men and I don't know, maybe like Minority Report. Yeah, I don't get where but we're going. It was, an, or even um, Blade Runner. Blade Runner, I can see that. But it didn't build a world where that would exist. Like, it just didn't. It just didn't. It, it, it and, <laughs> and any word you want to put in after the didn't, Irrational it didn't things do it. happen for no reason. Why on earth is it better to move a, a car by helicopter than it is by anything else? Isn't yeah, that horribly I'm just conspicuous? Like, yeah, and I then feel he doesn't like... Go to the helicopter, he sits in the car while it's being transported this He sits this in way. the car as it's being swung across Russia. Uh, and yeah, that just seems very weird, irrational scenes. People don't behave rationally. They don't make rational decisions. It's just a weird film. I couldn't get my head around it. He's got that tattoo on his neck from the Necronomicon? Yeah. Why? I don't know what that contributes to the film either. We do see on his back, when he comes out of the shower, a scarab. Yes, it's actually scarab, a cool tattoo on which his back. Which is appropriate. Yeah. Because the winged scarab represents, you know, rebirth, and he dies in the film and comes back. Yeah. Um, so that was a clever kind of nod towards the future. I don't know what the other, you know, the sigil on his neck means, only that it was from the Necronomicon. Th- this film, um, yeah, I did not care for it. It's not very good. So we're sorry. I was disappointed. Um, we'll try and do be- better. We're going to try and do better. better. The month is going to be rounded out by hopefully three good movies. Uh, we're from 1988. We're going to watch Eight Men Out, a John Cusack baseball film. Is Anthony Edwards in there? I don't know. A dude that looks like Anthony Edwards was in the poster, but it was small and I couldn't tell. From September of 1998, we're going to watch Ronin. And from September of 2008, we're going to watch Spike Lee's. Miracle at Santa Anna. Ronan, which could be either... Which I always want to call Santa Anna, but it's not. A Japanese or an Irish film. Well, it's got De Niro in it. Who's neither Japanese nor Irish. So... They might be heading off in another direction with this. Feels like New York might be where it takes place. Um, So those are the movies that we're going to watch for September. Movies and television we're going to watch for September. So, recommends? Would you like to recommend a movie? I, I have would, a feeling that we were going to talk about the same thing. Right. I've got several things I could recommend. I've been to the movies a whole bunch, and I've enjoyed most of them. So, I'm going to recommend a movie that you recommended to me. Okay. Let me start then. Mm-hmm. So, I'm going to recommend, if you haven't seen it, go give some money to Crazy Rich Asians. Um, it's super fun. We need to see more diversity in the theater. Uh Ignore the overlining on Constance Wu's mouth. It's if so aggravating to me. Complaint, it's literally my only complaint. But it's a good movie. Um, so it's fun. It's fluffy. There's a lot of rich, rich people in it, and it'll make you feel poor. But Aquafina really is holding it down and is very funny. And, and Michelle Yeoh's in this film too. Michelle right? Yeoh's in this film too, and is as big of a badass with less kicking. All right, so let's talk about your movie. I already um, know what it is. The movie that you recommended to me is Blind Spotting. 
Blind Spotting, which is a film featuring Davy Diggs and Raphael Cassell, his bestest friend. And it's just to give a context for this movie, um, the Oakland, which is our hometown, the film takes place there. This rounds out the trifecta, the right. Oakland trifecta of 2018, starting with Black Panther, going to Sorry to Bother You, and ending with Blind Spotting. And unlike that first film, this movie is shot in Oakland, entirely in Oakland. It, oh, Oakland yeah. Is, Atlanta was doing a nice uh, right. fill-in job for Oakland in Black yeah, Panther. Atlanta's very much like West Oakland, which is sad, because that means you know parking lots and tenement buildings. Mm-hmm. But... Um, this is a film about two men, uh, mostly two friends from childhood, one of whom is trying to get through the last couple of days. Three days of his probation. David Diggs is the character who's on probation. It is important to note that David Diggs is black uh-huh. and Rafael Cassell is white. Right. They are best friends. Uh, the black man is on probation. He had a year of probation. Um, and he's in the last three days. That means he's got curfew. That means he can only go to certain places. These are the restrictions of probation. And he's just trying to get his life back. So for people who are not from Oakland, not from the town, as they keep saying in this film. The town. The town. Oakland. Which Boston might fight us for. There's a movie called The Town. It's yeah, in Boston. Well, Boston. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, Oakland is going through a process of gentrification right now. Yup. Um, the, there was a large black population in Oakland that came after the Second World War, during the Second World War, to work in the dockyards and things like that. Um, the population, the black population of Oakland at its height was, in 1990s, it's 43%. It currently is under 28%. Really? It's shrunk. And it's and all so, in the east and west. Right. And so Which now, sounds like it's all of Oakland, but Oakland no. is first of all is huge. It's the really the city wide of Oakland is extremely large. Yeah. Um and we've got like kind of like a Vatican. Uh-huh. We've got a whole city that has its borders within the um borders of Oakland. Uh that's Piedmont. That's where the rich motherfuckers live. Now, I've lived in Piedmont, but I was living as a nanny, so Yes, you were help. <laughs> I was help. Um, this is where, like, the owners of the football teams live. This is yeah. where there are multi, multi, multi million dollar homes inside of a larger, nice area of the Oakland Hills, quote, Oakland Hills, where there was a fire a number of years ago. Uh, Amy Tan lived in those hills oh, and lost that her out. home. And then you spread out to get to the part of parts of Oakland where you know we live. <laughs> so what's happened is that because of the, um, the 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 tech boom, a lot of young people with a great deal of money and a great deal of disposable income moved into the Oakland area, and a lot of natives of Oakland people have been here for generations. Yep, are priced out. Black and Latino. Black and Latino, and so this film is about these two guys. And their their real issues with the way that things have changed. Right now, that makes and it sound just, like a drama. And they're trying to they're just trying to live their right. life. It's not live. like it's becoming increasingly difficult though, because it's almost impossible to make a living. 
and they li- they work moving people right. moving like people. they're movers which you have I have done personal <laughs> experience with but what you're seeing is people being pushed out and who's coming in like as movers you have eyes on and it's not just it's not there's a scene with an artist yes and it was really played by uh, Wayne Knight. That's a really lovely scene. It where is. He's, he's explaining to him. Also, I think he might be based on something because the, there's a picture where he uh-huh. he says my my last um, collection was is pictures of Oakland uh-huh. with oak trees transposed because they used to be everywhere and now you can't find them except as artisan furniture, which comes up later right, in the film. Really but I feel like I remember an art series like that. So it I think be. he might well, be based also, on like he seems a real to be living person. right above the Johansson Art Gallery, which yeah, is a place true. that we used to hit mm-hmm. when we were doing First Fridays. And this and this stuff to to people living in Oakland, the movie's wonderful because you see everything. Everything. We've it's been, the most Oakland place right. I've or Oakland movie I've ever seen. And there's a scene that takes place at the alley, which is the dive bar right across Grand, from where you where, used to work. Where I used to work, and the place where I used to work is. In the film, you yes. see it over someone's shoulder. This movie is has some... Okay, so if you don't know who David Diggs is, mm-hmm. he uh-huh. is uh, from here. <laughs> so is Raphael. They, uh, he went to Berkeley High. He was a track star when he went to Berkeley, and he runs in this, right. um, which I think is interesting. Through the graveyard where my dad is buried, mm-hmm. by the way. Uh, and he was... He's nationally known for winning a Tony for playing Jefferson. Uh, let's see, the Marquis de Lafayette and Jefferson Thomas Jefferson in Hamilton on Broadway in the original cast. He's of the original cast. He then um, did some stuff on Blackish. He played Rainbow's brother. Uh, Rainbow is played by Tracy Ellis Ross, the the matriarch of the family on Blackish. Uh, and then this is his first, he wrote this movie with Raphael Cassell. Um, and so this is his first like big screen performance. And it is spectacular. Like he is amazing in it. And I can't wait to see what else he does. Now, if you know anything about Hamilton, he has the the record for the most words per minute spoken on a <laughs> on a stage in New York City on a Broadway stage uh, he raps very well and very fast specifically in Hamilton he raps in this they do a lot of spoken word both of the characters do that's how he and Raphael Cassell met was through spoken word um, meetups uh, and competitions here in Oakland and Berkeley so they use that in the film to very good effect, I would say. I, I the movie is, it's. I shared this with you. Thematically, it's like it, it has a lot in common with film noir. Yeah, I could see that. And then yeah. it's about the character of a city, but it's also about the notion that life is bearing down on you. Yeah. Um, and but we don't I will want, give I don't, something yeah. away because it's given away in the not in the trailer, mm-hmm. but um, in every write up I've seen. So it's out there. So three days left on his parole, and he witnesses a white officer shoot a black man. So that's an additional little 
fuck you <laughs> to the what? end. So that's the right. things about that are coming in. You know, his blackness versus his friend's whiteness is a heavy theme through well, the, the whole theme, movie. Yeah, and that's something that, again, without giving anything away, mm. it's, it's reflected on how one person will continuously get in trouble and the other person has kind of a free ticket. We call it privilege. Right. And um, so, but, but at the same uh-huh. time, in many ways, his friend is not privileged. No. So... So yeah, and it's a very even-handed film that way. Yeah. I, one of the things I mentioned. It's to very you smart. It's very. It's that I like about well the written. Black Klansman is that you get to see a black character and a white character. Yeah. Working together. Yeah. And them coming to terms with what they are and right. where they are in the world. And this film felt very much like that also. Like that, yeah. No. It's, is that you get them coming to terms with what they are? There's some scenes that are really emotionally intense that yeah. I won't go into that mm-hmm. are just. I was watching it with an audience who, and there's a particular scene, and you know which one I'm talking about, yeah. um, that is horrifying, and it's not horrifying in a, it's just, in, there's such a high emotional stress yeah. in the scene, mm-hmm. and there's a, some strings of street violence, but then again, this is Oakland, you know, I, yeah. the joke I make with my one of my friends is that I'm always 25 feet away from a street fight somewhere in Oakland, because if you're downtown, you're bound to see one sometime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, and it's, it is capturing the whole, and there's a. I mean uh-huh. that the 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 te- it's tension. It's tension right. between black and white. It's tension between police and, you know, everyone. It's tension between hipsters and natives. It's tension between gentrifiers and natives. It's tension between you know. It there is and there are women and men. You know, there's push pull. There's tension between. The people that you've been with your whole life and the people or the person that you want to be and the life you want to live. And again, Raphael Cassell is also very good. He's very good. And They're both very good. The tension there, I don't want to be identified with the white gentrifier, but I'm a white guy living in Oakland. I'm a white guy living in Oakland. With the same, yeah. That is, (laughs) hey, don't give that away. But that is, to me, I think, having seen that experience with some friends of mine, yeah, it does go that way. It's, you know... It it really captures a lot of what it's like to be here. Yeah. And it captures the it's, feeling. It's a very real, very now mm-hmm. piece. I don't think that... I, I don't... I think it will age well. I don't think it's going to be super dated. It will age well as almost as a time capsule. When we were watching Taxi Driver, mm-hmm. we were watching a world not around anymore. No. This was New York at a specific time. Mm-hmm. I think the same way that that got captured there, Oakland just captured, captured here. Oakland here. Yeah, and we've actually had, a, as you mentioned, a couple of really good movies lately that capture the feel of mm-hmm. uh, of a, a population that's being forced out of yeah. their homes and what they feel about the people who are doing it. And but I would anger. say that Black Panther and Sorry to Bother You are very fantastical in mm-hmm. in very different sorry ways. Sorry to bother but, you. Yes, be warned. But it both is, of them are yeah. fantasy. This is very much grounded in reality. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, it's very very good. I I can't. Everybody should watch it. Watch it. Yeah, I watch keep it. trying to tell all the locals I know. It's like you, this movie captures the experience really well. Yeah, and you Grand know. Lake like premiered it. Like, wow. premiered it. See, I can see that because I was talking to a mutual friend of ours who used to go sing at the the alley. Yeah. On their open mic nights. They had uh, karaoke 
open mic karaoke yeah. with a live Rod Dibble playing uh, guitar or piano player. Right. Yeah. And he was there up until the moment that he died. died. He was in his nineties at, at this point. Something like that, yeah. Right. And it was it's a divey place. You sit down at these booths that are made with what looks like pallet wood. You get a you know. steak for twelve dollars. <laughs> right. It was but it really captures the place. So again, if you also if you want to know what Oakland's like without it without risking your life being <laughs> You're not gonna. Oakland you know, is not that bad. I am not, a white person who lives in Oakland, no, and, and it's I'm not that a matter bad. of being white because black people get killed here all the time. It's a matter of um, Oakland is one of those strange places that, in some areas, you're very safe. In other areas, it's incredibly dicey. It is true. I and it's a difference of two streets. When sometimes. I moved here, um, I was living on the border of Oakland and Berkeley, and. I needed to move, and I brought a map in, a paper map in, and I talked to our friend Miguel, and I said, circle where I can live. Mm. <laughs> like, and he, native of the area, circled the places where it would be okay for me to live, and I found a place in there. <laughs> well, I'm still thinking also the, the time that we got off at the wrong BART station, and that poor woman ran up to us and, and practically shoved us back on the train. She was like, you guys don't belong here. You don't belong here. Go. Go. Okay. Don't look behind you. <laughs> so, yeah, Oakland's a very interesting town. It doesn't get boring. Or it could be. It could be get, get boring if it winds up being sort of like gentrified into this sort of early grave. Anyway, yeah. It's, it's rough out there, y'all. It's rough. Um, so I think that's everything. We're going. We're done. All right. If you want to email us, we email are us. at latecomerspod at gmail.com. Both of us, all the time Hi, Alan. We got your email. Hi, Alan. Sunset. Hi, Alan. Um, if you would review us on uh, Apple Podcasts, that would be amazing. It Please tell be. a friend uh, or, you know, an acquaintance, some dude on the street. Just you scream the latecomers. Send it with your podcast. Yeah. There you go. Um, I don't want to be associated with blackmail. Actually, I'd no, I'd like to not be arrested. Okay. Well, you won't be. It's a be. small request. I will. Hey, you don't know that. That's Vin Diesel, isn't it? Yeah, Vin Diesel's out Vin fastest, Diesel's fastest and furious thing on the street. Do you see the sideshow on the Bay Bridge? Oh my God! See, that's the kind of Bay Area shit that goes. That's on. some Oakland bullshit. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? We are on the tweeters at Latecomers Pod. I gotta be on there more. I'm not good at Twitter. Um, and we have Facebook page and group. Your Facebook page. Page and group. Uh, and I will uh, link some stuff on about Mary Tyler Moore into the into the page. Uh, we thank you very much for listening. I shake my head very much at him. I'm sorry we made you watch a bad movie. I'm gonna put a it little really... disclaimer that says, "Don't watch the movie. Just listen to the podcast." It doesn't make sense, I, y'all. If you got to the end and it didn't make sense, it wasn't you. It was the movie. If you got to the end and it made sense to you, we'd like to know. We'd about like it. to know. Yes, what did absolutely. we miss? Or if you read the book, uh-huh. let us know. And you could answer the questions like, is Vin Diesel inflatable? That, how would they know that if they read the book? The, Try again. Well, it could be. Maybe there's Different a whole joke. part of the character that we missed. <laughs> there's a bad joke for no, what it I said. A joke. I'm serious. <laughs> Vin Diesel's not inflatable. He, he, he looks He's not. Me. That would explain a lot of his character motivation. He's afraid of being punctured. But he got punctured. You can't have a tattoo if you're inflatable. 
You can't. It's just a stigma You just thing. can't. It's not a stigma thing. A if, if you are a, a Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, stigma. <laughs> All right. We're done now. Yeah, we're very tired. Remember, better, better late, late than, than never. never. Woof. That was terrible. No, it wasn't. I was bad. No, it wasn't.